Martin Ramon, 104.5 The Zone, at J. Martin Ramon on Twitter. Who is the most un- underperforming, most disappointing team in the National Football League this year? Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus joins us. We'll start right there, Sam. What's the most disappointing team in the league this year? Um, I mean, I think you can make a, uh, a case for the Dallas Cowboys. They've obviously had a ton of injuries up front on that offensive line and, and Dak Prescott going down, which clearly hasn't helped them. But yeah, definitely from where they were at the start of the season in terms of hype, in terms of expectations, uh, and in terms of where the NFC East has been this year, I think you could definitely make the case for Jacksonville. Uh, there's a bunch of teams with you know, Chargers, I think, would be a pretty good call as well. I know Justin Herbert has massively outperformed expectations, but the narrative on them heading into the season was everything other than the quarterback is in really good shape. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor could actually make some noise with this group because the team is so good. Herbert's come in and played better than Tyrod Taylor was ever going to play, and they're 3-9. and nine. They can't win games. What about Arthur Smith replacing Anthony Lynn with the Chargers? Does that seem like a good fit? I mean, yeah, the Chargers had a game against New England this week where it, it feels like a game that needs to make a change off the back of. You know, you don't lose 45 nothing unless everything went wrong, and it did. On all three phases, the special teams was a joke. The offense couldn't get anything done. It was outcoached on that side of the ball. The defense was getting destroyed as well. The Patriots put up a ton of points, and Cam Newton passed for 69 yards. Like, they barely needed to have a functional offense to still do damage against the Chargers. So, yeah, it does feel like something pretty dramatic needs to change. I I think Anthony Lynn does a lot of things that are good, but he is one of these coaches that that causes himself some problems, whether it's with game management, whether it's with a little bit being too conservative, especially when you have a quarterback like Herbert, who I know he's a rookie, but he's already shown that he can make big plays at at key moments in the face of the blitz, all those kinds of things. And yeah, that's a that's a really intriguing swap. He's got to be one of the the candidates that would be at the top of a lot of people's list in terms of head coach going forward. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of like the NFC East, also the Giants seem as of late they're starting to get their stuff together. And of course, with Joe Judge, there seems like a team man. They got the right things as far as the quarterback, running back. I know they got some stuff they got to do, and of course. They got rid of Odell, uh, you know, b- b- prior to this this regime coming in. Do you think a guy like Odell would have worked there? And what's actually what's the potential of this New York Giants team moving forward with what they've done so far? Seems like they're starting to get together. And I was talking to Jay earlier in our segment saying it's good for football when a team like the Giants is good. Yeah, I, I think we need to just be a little bit careful, though, because, you know, they're on this four-game win streak, but three of them have come against two other Wash- or two other NFC teams and the Bengals. You know, the, the Seahawks was the first real win. You know, not real win, but anytime you get a win in the NFL, it's, it's difficult. But the Seahawks was the first win that you would look at there and say, that's a surprise. That's one we didn't expect them to win or didn't really anticipate them winning. And that was a really important game for them and a really impressive game, particularly – on defense, and I think that's the side of the ball that definitely is moving in the right direction. What James Bradbury did uh, going up against D.K. Metcalf was really impressive. I do think the Giants are moving in the right direction, but I think generally the Giants, Washington, we just need to be a little bit careful and you know just look at the schedule. Like they've they've both come off a, a big upset win, but their their wins before that were not really um, statement wins. They were not really games that were against difficult teams. So I think those two 
they're definitely moving in the right direction. They're coming off a weekend where they had a, a fantastic upset each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to see if that's going to sustain itself over the next few games and if they can actually, you know, put a couple wins together and get to, you know, seven and nine maybe at the end of the season and win that re- division or if they're going to go back and, and lose these games against closer teams. Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Sam is where you can find him on Twitter. Sam, Browns, Titans. Well, I mean, it was a game of the week from a record standpoint. Browns get the job done and with an incredible first half. What did you take away for both football teams from this game that we can extrapolate and look towards the postseason for both? I mean, the Browns, that was a real statement game for them. I think it said a lot of good things about where that team is headed. The, there was sort of questions heading into that game about, look, the Browns are clearly good, but their quarterback hasn't really risen to the challenge and hasn't really played at a level that matches where the rest of the team has been. He absolutely did against Tennessee. Um, you know, obviously 290 yards, four touchdowns in the first half, that sort of speaks for itself, but it was more the way he was playing and the variety of passes and the fact that he did look comfortable and was going through a progression and making plays on a second and third read. This was as good as Baker Mayfield has looked in the NFL. And for the Browns, that's huge. I mean, I think it was clear that everything else was already heading in the right direction. If suddenly Baker Mayfield is capable of working towards his ceiling as well, the Browns are, are in real business. Um, for, for the Titans, it's pretty concerning. I mean, that was... You know, the Browns are good, but they're not like Kansas City Chiefs good. And to be absolutely blitzed off the field in the first half the way they were, uh, particularly in the passing game, is just is a disaster for them. That was a real concerning issue. I have less uh, concerns about the fact that their offense didn't fire until the second half. You know, there were some, some fr- uh, freaky plays in there. You know, A.J. Brown typically catches the ball, rumbles, breaks some tackles, makes some plays, and this game he was catching it and fumbling it and you know it's those things happen sometimes in games it's it's a mistake you don't want to see happen but they don't tend to repeat themselves game after game after game so i I think tennessee's offense will be okay but that would be very concerning in terms of what their defense does over the next few games in the the playoffs um this afc playoff race is probably one of the closest i can remember in recent years as far as just any team can make it, and any team can get put out of it. The team here in Nashville, man, the Tennessee Titans, in the last four weeks, they got Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay, and Houston. What's the likelihood of you seeing them either run the table or doing enough to make the playoffs, which right now they are in? But it's a couple games that you probably have questions on. Jacksonville, they should do the job. But, of course, like you said with this defense, um, what's what's going to be the outlook for them moving forward the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, just looking at that record, you would expect them to win three and one, right? Yeah. The Green Bay game is their their big test, and Green Bay they've been vulnerable at times this season. You know, they're not invincible, so there's there's definitely the chance that they could win all four of those games. I think the big thing for Tennessee is that the Colts have probably a slightly more difficult run in. They've got I think two games that are pretty tricky. They've got the Raiders up next, so I do actually like the way they match up against the Raiders. But they've got a couple of games that you would think are way more losable. Um, than, than the Titans. And obviously, as of right now, they still have the tiebreaker over them. So I think the Titans are still in a pretty good place in terms of making the playoffs, but they've, they've kind of exhausted their um, ability to make, you know, to slip up and to, to drop some games here and there. Mm-hmm. Where do you put Pittsburgh right now coming off the loss? Um, I saw some people drop them like out of the top seven or eight teams in the league because of one loss to Washington. 
it felt like we were trending towards them losing a game in this last handful. Just they haven't been playing rock solid football, but where do you put them in the AFC hierarchy right now and how much damage can they do in the playoffs based on how they're playing right now? I think you're right. I think this was a game that was coming. Um, they were threatening to lose for a while now. We've been saying that they weren't the best team in the NFL. We always had the Chiefs as our number one team in the in our power ratings. Um, and also the, the fact that they were coming off this short week and, and seemed pissed off about having to play Washington on Tuesday or on Monday night anyway. This was a game that felt like a trap game, and they just they fell into the trap. But I don't think you need to get too, you know, overreact too much and drop them too far. I think they still have as good a case as anybody to be the number two team in the NFL. I think the absolute furthest you could drop them is number three. Um, I think the Chiefs are the best team in football. You could make the case that the Saints are the second best, particularly given what they're doing right now without their starting quarterback. But, you know, I don't think you can make a really strong argument that Pittsburgh belong any further back than that. They have a still a nasty defense. There's so much talent on offense, and right now their biggest problem is drops, which we know come and go. You know, you're not going to drop five, six passes a game every game, and when you stop doing that, that just gives you an immediate boost in production that is, is inherently there, and it's just not translating onto to yards and points right now. Aside from the Chiefs, I, I like the AFC in the side of just, I think it'll be an AFC team that wins the uh, Super Bowl this year. I'll just put that out there, but if we're looking at the AFC Championship right now, um, the team that you can see going up, I think it's obvious that the Chiefs are probably going to be in it. Who's the team that you see sifting through and actually making that happen to, to play against the Chiefs at this point? I know we don't like to crown uh, teams too quick or assume it, but I don't see anybody stopping the Chiefs from getting to that point at least. Yeah, I think it's pretty wide open. Um, I like Buffalo's ability to go yeah. on a run. You know, if they make the, pace, the postseason and Josh Allen playing the way he is right now, they they could beat anybody. You know, they're they're maybe the second best team in the AFC if they play like that. I still think Pittsburgh can go on that run as well. I don't think there's any reason they will lose a ton of games and they should be favorites against pretty much anybody. The the sneaky team in there that if you know if the, if the stars align and things go their way, Miami I think could go on a real Miami. run. But that defense is you know Belichickian. It, it's New England South. It, it pulls out the things that cause teams problems and it's very good at game planning. And if they can just get viable quarterback play, you know, to a mm-hmm. rookie quarterback coming up into the season midway through it, it it's going to be tough. It, that's going to be the challenge. But if they could get viable quarterback play and be good enough on offense, they can be a defense that can knock off, you know, some of these AFC teams like the Colts or even the Titans or, you know, Cleveland. They can be a team that really causes their problems and just sneak ahead in a couple of games. Uh, the Buffalo thing is interesting to me because based on what I've looked at at your website at Pro Football Focus as well as other analytics sites, it looks like the difference for Josh Allen has been that he is limiting the bad throws. The, the, the ones that you look at and you just baffled and you put the face palm gif up when he puts it out there, there's less of those. Is that the difference really in Allen? It's just he is kind of limiting the stuff that used to bother you, even if he's not Patrick Mahomes. You feel more comfortable because the mistakes just aren't there anymore. Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. Um, I think generally he's just become more efficient, and it's it's something you don't normally see from a quarterback. You know, everyone talks about it in terms of accuracy, but it's also just you know simple bad plays, and not even necessarily the you know the, the turnover worthy, the bad throws that should be intercepted. 
just misses. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at that game uh, the other night, and it didn't look like he was going to miss a throw at any point, you know, and you're, you're watching this happen, and you're like, when was the last pass that Josh Allen didn't put exactly where he wanted it to go? And last season or the year before, that just didn't happen. He didn't have those games. He had a few passes here and there where it was perfect accuracy, perfect throw, but you knew you were just a couple of throws away from just a miss, just a bad play that's a yard away from where it needs to go. He gets in runs now where it doesn't look like those throws are going to happen. I think that's a huge difference where that's something that typically does not, does not change for a quarterback. You don't find the ability to just, you know, put the ball immediately where it needs to be. Um, he still makes some mistakes, still makes some errors. He's definitely cut down on them, but I think it's the smaller mistakes that are the difference. It's that he just doesn't miss as many plays as he did before. Sam. <clears throat> With what um, New Orleans has done since Drew Brees has been out, have we seen the last of Drew Brees in New Orleans? I mean, I think he comes back into the lineup when he's healthy. The question is when that's going to be. I think his time is up in terms of he's not playing in 2021 and beyond that. But I don't think we've seen enough from Taysom Hill yet to be, for them to say that you know a healthy Drew Brees comes back and they say, no, you're not coming back into the starting lineup. You're, you're on the bench, Drew. I don't see that happening anytime soon, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because we haven't really seen Taysom Hill do it against a team right. that isn't Atlanta, and we know Atlanta's defense is terrible. So, you know, it's it's worked twice, um, and it's worked against the worst defense or one of the worst defenses in the NFL. We need to see if the Taysom Hill thing still works against a better defense. And even, you know, Denver's defense is not phenomenal, but Denver's defense caused it all kinds of problems, and we didn't really notice because on the other side of the ball, Denver literally didn't have a quarterback. So that was the thing that took all the notice in that game. But, yeah, the, the Taysom Hill experiment, I think, is still very much uh, an open question mark. I don't think we yet know how successful that's going to be. How do you slot the NFC? One thing we've talked about in the last few weeks is all these teams, you kind of like them, but there's some flaw, whether it's the quarterback with the Rams or the chemistry between Brady and Arians, or the defense for Green Bay, or whatever it might be, what team do you actually believe in? Because it feels to me that the NFC is just going to be a total, just wide-open, crazy time once we get to the playoffs. No, I'm with you. I think every one of those teams is scary in some way, shape, or form because of their flaws. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be like the AFC picture that we talked about. It's who's going to get hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saints are maybe the one team that you could have some kind of confidence in. And even that, they have the, a question mark at the, the most important position in the game. You know, wh- Either is Taysom Hill capable of playing at that level in the, the better games, or B, when Drew Brees comes back off the back of 11 broken ribs, <laughs> what's he going to look like? Yeah. I mean, you only have 24 ribs, and he broke 11 <laughs> of them. So that's a pretty significant question mark. Um, the Packers... You know, they, their offense is really good, but their defense is really not. Um, Seattle just showed that they were extremely flawed when mm-hmm. Russell Wilson doesn't play like the best quarterback in the NFL. You know, Tampa Bay are a team where they have a lot of flaws between, you know, Arians, uh, Tom Brady, just schematically trying to work out all of the kinks when teams throw things at them this season. But if they do get them all worked out by the time they make the playoffs, they're really good. You know, the, the personnel-wise and scheme-wise, yeah. Theoretically, they have a chance to beat anybody. They just need to figure out all of the problems before they, they don't get a do-over again. You know what I mean? Like, right mm-hmm. now, it doesn't matter if they drop a game. It, it, all it's costing them is playoff seeding. So they can afford to, have to work out the issues during the regular season 
But if those happen, if those come up in January and somebody throws something at them that they haven't prepared for, there's no, you know, there's no opportunity to fix it in the off, in the off week. You're, you're done. Um, so that I think is, is key for them. It's just working out all of the problems. Uh, Sam, there's a, there's a quarterback in this league, man, that everybody just, he does, he hasn't won a whole lot. He's done a whole lot though. It's Matthew Safford. Is there anybody or any team that should be willing to trade for him? And if so, what does it take? Or will he just, you know, finish his career out in Detroit at this point? Because everybody says he has the talent, he has the harm, he has everything you need. But yet and still, he's stuck in Detroit. Yeah, he does. And I have some sympathy for him in terms of, you know, he hasn't been surrounded by a great offensive mind as a head coach the way some other guys have. You know, his... His head coaches tend to be defensive guys, and they, they haven't gotten the best out of him. But I do get the feeling that he might just be one of those quarterbacks that's never going to hit that ceiling that is theoretically there for him, you know, given all the talent. But, you know, if, if the team does want to move on from him, he could be a quarterback that somebody like Denver would be really interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Broncos, when you draw up their personnel in terms of skill position, weapons, just all those receivers that they have, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton coming back next year, um, Noah Fant, Albert O. Like they've just, that receiving group is absurd, but right now it doesn't matter because their quarterback is Drew Locke. And, you know, I know Drew Locke mm. is young, and, and they, they're going to hope that he um, turns into something, but, like, Denver just needs – a middle-tier quarterback. They don't even need an elite guy with that group of receivers. They just need someone that's capable of playing at a reasonable level. And whatever you think about where Matthew Stafford's ceiling is, he's clearly capable of doing that. So, you know, Denver might be interested in sort of one last roll of the dice at quarterback to try and get this thing over the line. Um, but outside of that, I can't see too many teams wanting to throw much at the Lions to make that deal happen. Man, that cut deep, you man. You cut him deep right there, I'm a Broncos fan, and you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here with my pen just doing the, the knife cutting. You just, every word you say, you were cutting them deep right there, Sam. Some Thrombe-level <laughs> knives out right there from Sam Mons. And Sam, also want to congratulate you guys. I'm looking forward to PFF NFL Daily with you and Steve Palazzolo. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Thanks. Yeah, we're we're excited about that. It's up on Spotify right now. It's working through the uh, the iTunes kink. So hopefully next week, I think is when it will be debuted for real. Yeah, that's gonna be a good podcast. We'll definitely be checking that out. We'll catch up with you soon. It's always yeah. good to talk Thanks. to you. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Appreciate it. That's Sam Monson. Gosh, catch deep. Jeez, I'll take Matt Stafford right now. I'll yeah, tell you, you that. Yeah, you would. Lord have mercy. That sounded good, actually, when he broke it down. I'm going to be real. I might talk about a little bit of what Sam said, but um, I'll tell you, we talked about how the college football playoffs a television show. I'll tell you something that wasn't a good television show. Tell me. It was a certain basketball game I watched yesterday. We'll talk about it when we come back on 104.5 The Zone.